broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. What's up, everyone? It's CW. Thank you for checking out the Midtown Business Radio show this week. I had the great pleasure of sitting down with a longtime friend of mine, Michael Powell, a fella I met actually through the bowling league that I participate in. Got paired with him at random. We needed an extra player for our team. And it turns out he's one of the most intelligent and actually one of the most interesting people I've ever had a chance to speak to and got to learn a little bit about his background, some of the cool technology projects, many of which you will be very familiar with. Spent several years of his career producing technologies and applications of different types. And through his love of bowling throughout his life, which began when he was a young boy, combined with those times spent developing applications and working with different technologies and being creative, he came up with an idea to facilitate the types of mini tournaments, the bracket tournaments that go on behind a bowling league on a given night, or even at a professional level bowling tournament, there will often be background tournaments and brackets going on behind the main event where the players that are participating can actually earn a pretty significant pot if they win that mini tournament behind the main event. And had a chance to sit down with Michael and talk about a cool application that he and his colleagues are developing called Bowl Freak that will empower league players, particularly those participating in you. USBC sanctioned leagues to be able to actually compete against bowlers in other parts of the city, other parts of the country, and even eventually other parts of the world and be paired up very closely by their average scores based on their handicaps that are established through the USBC. And this will allow those players to, whether or not they're in the particular league they're playing in, in the money for that one, they will have a very good chance of being in line for some significant winnings if they participate in the Bowl Freak bracket tournaments that are available. And coming up, Michael's going to talk about the genesis of his idea for Bowl Freak and how it took shape. Check it out. About two years ago is when we first got an idea from a person who was managing leagues over at one of the bowling alleys locally. And he had suggested that somebody needed to have an app that would somehow work with bowling. And I think that was about as far as it went. <laughs> but it did get my did get the gears moving. Thought, hmm, well, if I did have an app for bowling, what would I use it for? And the original concept of being a social networking app, I think, fell a little short just because because it's very easy for people to create groups in Facebook yeah. or anything like that. Social networking now is so easy. And so instead, I started looking at what was missing from the industry. And the biggest single thing I saw missing from when I was young was there was a lot more competition. Money was involved in the sport a lot more. I mean, you could play for $100,000 a frame back in the 70s. There were players like Mark Roth that would come on. He, they won millions. I mean, millions. The highest tournament today in the PBA, the top payout is $30,000. And that's for their top top major event. Most events are about 10,000 max payout, 20,000 max payout. This is PBA. And your entry fees are already twelve dollars to $1,500 or more, depending on how many events you play in. Wow. So there's no money in the PBA anymore. This is It's really more of a vanity sport than anything else. And so the guys and gals that are bowling at a high level in the PBA, I guess, are getting most of their income coming from some good sponsorships then. Absolutely. That's the reason why they look like NASCAR drivers out there. Yeah, with, they want to see them play on TV. Yeah, there's logos. If you look at their shirts, they're covered in logos, and those logos are what's paying the bills. Yeah, and fairly nicely for some of them. Yes. I actually did an interview with the, I believe he's still considered the number two, or at least in the top five bowlers in America right now, but Rhino Page I did an interview with a couple of months back through Bowl Freak, and that gentleman makes a lot of money from Storm. 
<laughs> Storm's the manufacturing company that's the largest bowling ball manufacturer in the United States right now. And they're actually beating out Brunswick, who is actually made in Mexico now. So Storm's one of the few companies actually making the bowling balls here, and they're made in Brigham, Utah. So beyond being a good company as far as making great equipment, they also happen to be completely American. And since bowling is such an American sport, even though I know it's nominated now by people from both Australia and Great Britain, yeah, they are coming here to do that. Right now, the other popular market that's huge for bowling is over in the Far East. Yeah, the Asians yes. love, love the game. Exactly. And frankly, in Korea and Japan, their love for the sport is so high that that's what gave me the motivation to make Bowl Freak what it was. And the reason for that is, is the leagues that are played in Korea can have payouts as high as $400,000 at the end of the year for the top team. And... <laughs> I know it seems unbelievable. They they are they're covered on television. The it's a very popular sport for people to watch. They don't treat it at all like it's just a, a pastime. And when I saw that excitement, I had to wonder: Is it? I know it's the 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 actual activity itself. People like to bowl, but I mean, these people really get obsessed over there. And I have to believe that a big part of it has to do with the type of money that's involved in these leagues. Yeah, if somebody could actually put on a tournament where there was, like you say, a very large purse, I would imagine some people would check it out to see who could win that money. Absolutely. And when it turns out, you know, as it stands right now for most leagues, they're considered fun or even competitive. Even the more competitive leagues, you know, you're going to basically pay in $20 a week. And then at the very end of the season, you might get a couple hundred dollars, $300, $400 out of it. And really not enough to even pay for you actually out there bowling. It's (laughs) only the top two or three teams that are actually going to make that kind of money. Sure. And so one of the things I felt that Bowl Freak did was, is it would keep the excitement level up for everybody that's involved. Yeah, because then every week, even if you're out of the money for your league you're right. still in the money potentially sure based on the parity levels that you're able to establish through the application right exactly and we also added social networking to it as well so for people who don't like to be on facebook and they don't want to be involved in something like that we have a lot of bowlers who don't like to do that it's not that they're technophobes they just don't like the idea of facebook or they don't like the idea of exposing that much on social network and so we've built some social networking tools in it and communication tools within bowl freak so that way league secretaries or people involved in leagues can actually communicate with each other using our app as well as being able to compete with it. Stick around for the full interview with Michael Powell, creator of Bull Freak, coming up next. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's C.W. Hall here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. Thanks for checking in with us. Got a fun show in store today. I have a guest in the studio that I've known for a little while. And as the teaser that I just ran on Twitter states, one of the most interesting people I've ever met in the world. I've got Michael Powell. He's the creator of an application that's soon to be unleashed upon the world called Bull Freak. You're too kind, C.W. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I happen to meet Mr. Powell on the bowling lanes. I'm a bit of a bowler or at least a newbie, but I have promise. Yeah, we like to throw balls down the lane. That's right. And we got to talking about the fact that you're a big fan of the sport and have loved it and decided there might be an opportunity to Mm -hmm. create and leverage some experience in in your background because you have both artistic as well as technology experience where you've done some very high-level projects of a variety of types. And you thought, wow, there's nobody in this space. There might be an opportunity here. You want to talk about what Bull Freak is? Sure. Bull Freak basically is an app that runs off of the web so that it can run on essentially any mobile platform or any desktop. And it allows bowlers who are currently bowling in league play to be able to take their scores and play in tournaments either on a national level or be able to do it worldwide with people who are using our app. Basically, what we're talking about in this case is if you look at a typical league night in a bowling alley and you've got 40 teams all rolling against each other, this team versus this team uh, on the night, 
Usually in the background, behind the Knights League games, there are many tournaments of different types. That's right. And so you can throw in a spiff of $10, $20, whatever the case may be, and participate in a mini three-game bracket Mm -hmm. and possibly win some, in many cases, decent decent money. Sure. It depends on how many people get involved with it. And that's actually one of the things that drove Bowl Freak was the idea that oftentimes in leagues, you'll have between 10 to 30 teams playing and the pots that you get, and that's usually what they call them, are side pots for the uh, the league games. Um, if you um, if you basically get enough players in it, you might be able to make a little bit of money in it, fifty hundred dollars there, depending on how well you bowl. But what we thought was is that with an app that allows people all over the country to be able to do this, those pots might get a lot larger since you're not limited by geography. And when you're doing this, or you're running your tournaments through the application and you are engaging it with the USBC-sanctioned leagues, mm-hmm. that means then that at the end of the night when I've bowled my games, then the alley where I've done my league night actually turns around and sends off those official scores, and they are recorded where I get a USBC handicap rank, just like you would get over time golfing, the same kind of thing. They, right. they maintain a database that has my series of games that I've played and right. given me a handicap. So now that's how you're able to know that the scores that are submitted are mm-hmm. real scores because you're taking them from those. Exactly. The USBC stands for the United States Bowling Congress, which is what the American Bowling Congress turned into about three decades ago. Uh, maybe closer to two, but I, I sometimes forget that since I'm 49 now. <laughs> and been bowling for 41 years. But the um, what happens is, is that the United States Bowling Congress essentially sanctions most tournaments in the United States and also sanctions a certain number of leagues. Not all leagues are done through USB sanctioning. USB sanctioning means that there are certain standards that have to be adhered to, including having third parties verify that the scores that are being recorded are actually the scores that were, were obtained. In addition to that, that the conditions at the league were maintained under a very, very strict set of rules that the USBC has. And the idea is not to allow people to be able to increase or lower their averages when bowling, thus making it easier for them to be able to compete in tournaments that then take your averages into account when establishing things like handicaps. And that was actually one of the things we wanted to do with Bowl Freak was one of the mainstays of bowling is is that it uses a, a system called a handicap, which is used like you've heard in golfing or most other sports. And what it does is, is it takes a certain standard score, and if your average that you bowl is below that score, then a certain amount of that difference in the score is then added to your score to make it so that you can compete on more of a head-to-head level against other bowlers who are better than you. And it really works out. If you are bowling straight, meaning you're throwing against what your average says you roll, Mm -hmm. then I've seen in our own league that we've participated in (laughs) how we literally do go head-to-head with scratch bowlers, and it can come down to the very last pin. We've had had games that were one pin apart, and they were all zero or less than 10 handicapped. It's amazing. I agree. It's amazing how the math adds up. I mean, it re- it's 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 kind of surprising how night after night, week week after week, you see that same thing. Mm-hmm. Where with a with a heavy handicap, it might seem like you're ahead in the game, but by the time you get to the ninth or tenth frames, you guys are neck and neck, and yeah. that's that's what a handicap does. But however, what I was going to say was, with the handicap, that means that you really are using a system 
to be able to adjust your score. And some people play better under certain conditions than other conditions. This is where handicap has issues. Right. And that is that people can do what they call gaming their score yeah. where, or gaming their handicap, where they do a thing called sandbagging. Yeah. One, one of the four letter words in, uh, <laughs> That's right. in, uh, in, in bowling. But what it means is, is that you establish a lower average by bowling under your abilities. And that's really hard to prove. And then when you bowl either in a, a playoff in the leagues, or if you bowl in a tournament where they take handicap into consideration, you get extra pens. And if you do that enough, of course, and make it obvious enough, people aren't going to want to bowl with you. But it is something that has been established for decades as being the uh, leveler for people that are bowling. And so one of the things Bowl Freak does is is something that you can only get with volume, and that is not having to stick with handicap. We do have those tournaments, but we also, and these are the these, these are the games and the tournaments with Bowl Freak I'm most excited about, are the games where we, we call them the prize fight series, where essentially we establish a weight class. So right, if, right. Yeah, if you're a bowler between, let's say, 100 and 120, average, then you're going to bowl against other bowlers in that same zone. Same thing with, with if it's if you know if you're a 200, 220 bowler, you're going to bowl against those people. And above 220, you're going to be bowling against them. And that's what they call brackets. If you're playing in tournaments, what you'll see is, is that in addition to the money you could possibly win from the tournament, they'll run a little side tournament or tournaments there called brackets where they do break people up into their handicap groups. And this includes many professional-level bowling tournaments, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You'll find some of the big players like Chris Barnes out there is known for his uh, his, his famous $10,000 games he likes to play against people who think they can take Chris Barnes on after he's, uh, <laughs> after he's storing the lanes up at a PBA <laughs> event. And, and, and he'll play some big-time celebrities and, and get them pulled into his games, doesn't he? Absolutely. He sure does. He's got a, he's got a couple of hip-hop stars, particularly when he's playing in Vegas that love to go out there and show that they've got $10,000 to go up against Chris Barnes. And he'll even spot them, too. He'll give them 40 pounds. Doesn't matter. Chris Barnes will bowl 260. And he takes their money. And he takes your money. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> yep, exactly. So what we want to do is bring a little bit more excitement to league. What we think that we're doing is enhancing the sport really from top to bottom. To begin with, we make sure that we are supporting the United States Bowling Congress by making sure that we're using only USBC sanctioned scores. That way other bowlers can be certain that those scores are actually legitimate so that, you know, when you're playing against somebody in Michigan and you live in Florida, you know that those scores are held just as legitimately as they are where you're bowling in your local bowling alley. And the cool thing is this is not like the apps you see on TV like FanDuel and those because those are technically, I guess, gambling in, in a, on a certain level because yeah. you're betting on the performance of someone else. But in sure. this case, you are essentially paying to compete in a tournament mm-hmm. that's based on your own skill against somebody else. Exactly. And we may eventually at some point put together some sort of concept of fantasy teams with professional bowlers and take advantage of the fact that there actually has been special dispensation given to fantasy gambling. On the other hand, there are certain states, and I think Nevada was the first, and I'm pretty sure New <laughs> Jersey's following up next, where they actually have legal gambling and they know what gambling looks like. So the idea that you're actually betting on somebody else's performance, that is gambling. Yeah. We were just given a, a federal dispensation to allow us to do that if we want. We're not sure if we're going to go there or not, but for right now, what we're focusing on is people being able to have a little bit more fun in the sport and being able to compete in a way that means that you don't have to drive or fly halfway across the country to be able to compete against other people. Do you think that once this really takes off and starts building some mass, you feel like it might possibly encourage more people to participate in leagues once they can go and do something like this? Sure. As a matter of fact, what I think it'll do is, is more importantly than just participating in just leagues, it'll cause more bowlers to want to participate in actual USBC sanctioned leagues. 
That's something that a lot of bowlers will avoid for various reasons. Sometimes it's just the cost of belonging to the USB-C, which is not very expensive, but some people don't want to do that. Some people don't want to bowl under the conditions that are required under the USB-C, like you have to change lanes every other every other frame that you bowl, things like that. But I think that if they had more of an incentive to do it, I think they would. And one of the other things that we've done because of the how we're promoting the app right now is we're also starting to do a lot more coverage where we're actually doing sponsorship of live streaming and video coverage of local tournaments to promote those, to get people more involved, not only in our app, but also to get involved in bowling. I've seen some of those, and that's a really cool opportunity for somebody who would never be on television, you know, just because they're a typical amateur bowler. Maybe they're decent, but I mean, they're, they're not going to rise to the level of pro, but it's right. a nice opportunity. And it's the Bowl Freak channel on YouTube mm-hmm. where these are living. If, if you want to check them out, if you have an interest in bowling, the production that you've done for those, when you see it, it looks just like what you would see on a PBA event that you see on television. You had multiple cameras, the score screens are up there embedded in it. It looks fantastic. Hey, we do a good job of faking it. but you're traveling around doing some regional tournaments around the Atlanta area currently. That's right. We're also going to do some more tournaments, uh, hopefully around the Southeast region and and maybe even go to Las Vegas or up North where they like to do a lot more bowling, particularly the more intense tournaments. Talk about how this all came about because you had some background, as I mentioned, when I was first introducing you, we're talking with Michael Powell, the creator of an application called Bowl Freak that will allow folks to participate in tournaments against equally ranked players from around the country and even beyond eventually and have an opportunity to actually win some money based on your own efforts on the lanes in USBC sanctioned events. So how did the concept of this actually come about for you? It came about from a combination of two things and what they are. And, and I've, I've heard often that this is what usually makes successes in businesses where you bring two very disparate things together and that would not normally be together and you make those things work. In my case, my very first job I ever had living in Tulsa, Oklahoma at 10 years old was doing <laughs> back then was doing scoring for women's leagues during the summer. And that was before we had any sort of automation or computation. That was the cellophane sheets with the overhead projectors. That is correct. (laughs) That is correct. And so that was the first job. So at 10 years old, I knew how to keep bowling scores and start telling people, if you wanted to get tips, you had to do this. You had to let them know what they needed to do to win. You had to tell them you need this many pins or you're this far out, whatever. So we had to learn how to do that. So that was the first job. And because of which I enjoyed bowling, I've been bowling on leagues and and bowling in tournaments since I was very small, all throughout junior high and actually lettered in it in high school Wow. in bowling. Um, didn't continue it much after that, though, because I had back problems that ended up culminating in a couple of surgeries. But now I'm back where I can bowl again, and there's this new phenomenon called two-handed bowling, which... Uh, I'm going to have to try it. I can't believe I've been bowling with you for a year, and I've not <laughs> thrown two-handed throw yet. Hey, if you are if you can throw one-handed, I recommend sticking with it. You've got a very, very nice one-handed throw. In my case, two-handed bowling, which is considered difficult, is something I've been doing since I was about eight. It was the only way I could get the ball to get a curve on it, because otherwise I just threw a straight ball straight yeah. down the middle. And I could never, and still even now at 49, cannot throw a one-handed bowling ball and get it to curve correctly. It just does not. I can get to go backwards. I can't get to go <laughs> But I learned two-handed bowling since I saw that there was this Australian wonder from down under that was uh, that was tearing up bowling named now, Jason Belmonte. When did Belmonte come onto the scene? He originally started in 2008, I believe, was his okay, rookie I thought year. it was pretty recent. Yeah, yeah. no, he was 2008. I think of the, some of the er, was his earliest time. 2009 was when he really started, when he got picked as, as player of the year, rookie of the year, I think is what he got. And, of course, has just gotten better and better and better to the point where, you know, he had three masters in a row and had two tournament of champions. 
champions in a row that he just won. Anyway, the two-handed bowling technique actually lets me go out and bowl and not tear my back up the way it used to. So, uh, so I'm actually able to make it look like I know what I'm doing at least a little bit out there, not be totally blown away. And you came from the technology side. Talk about where your, your background has flowed, because you've done some really cool work in the technology space. Yeah, I, I originally worked for a company named Enderland, and I was the director of web development there. The company is now web.com, located here in Atlanta. And originally, I started with them doing web development and then went off to do my own company with another partner of mine that also did web development. And we helped develop a lot of technologies, including we actually do hold the original provisional patent on what is now called the cloud, believe it or not. Wow. Um, yep. Yep. We actually did that originally. And the problem is it's one of those types of patents, I believe, that would be very difficult to hold on to. It's, it's akin to the light bulb yeah. where, you know, once it's figured out, it's going to be very hard to hold on to that. And the idea of using a write once, read anywhere concept, we just happened to be the first to actually file a patent for it. So, you know, it didn't really mean that much, but that's what I went off to. So we, we worked on a lot of different innovative things. And when mobile computing started changing over to combine with phones back in 2007, we started moving over into mobile app development and, and started originally on iPhone and then moved over to also including Android. And mainly what we focused on were sports apps or health apps that would work with certain things like cross-training, mixed martial arts. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were specialty apps. Those seem to be ones that actually get used. Right. And now they're incorporated in almost every platform. So because of which it's not like, you know, you don't need an app to do that anymore. So, you know, times change. And what we decided to do was, is um, about two years ago is when we first got an idea from a person who was managing leagues over at one of the bowling alleys locally. And he had suggested that somebody needed to have an app that would somehow work with bowling. And I think that was about as far as it went. <laughs> but it did get my did get the gears moving. Thought, hmm, well, if I did have an app for bowling, what would I use it for? And the original concept of being a social networking app, I think, fell a little short just because it's very easy for people to create groups in Facebook yeah. or anything like that. Social networking now is so easy. And so instead, I started looking at what was missing from the industry. And the biggest single thing I saw missing from when I was young was there was a lot more competition. Money was involved in the sport a lot more. I mean, you could play for $100,000 of frame back in the 70s. There were players like Mark Roth that would come on. He, they won millions, I mean, millions. The highest tournament today in the PBA, the top payout is $30,000, and that's for their top major event. Most events are about 10,000 max payout, 20,000 max payout. This is PBA, and your entry fees are already 12 to $1,500 or more, depending on how many events you play in. Wow. So there's no money in the PBA anymore. This is It's really more of a vanity sport than anything else. And so the guys and gals that are bowling at a high level in the PBA, I guess, are getting most of their income coming from some good sponsorships then. Absolutely. That's the reason why they look like NASCAR drivers out there. Yeah, with, they want to see them play on TV. Yeah, there's logos. If you look at their shirts, they're covered in logos, and those logos are what's paying the bills. Yeah, and fairly nicely for some of them. Yes, I actually did an interview with the, I believe he's still considered the number two, or at least in the top five bowlers in America right now, but Rhino Page I did an interview with a couple of months back through Bowl Freak, and that gentleman makes a lot of money from Storm. <laughs> Storm's the manufacturing company that's the largest bowling ball manufacturer in the United States right now. And they're actually beating out Brunswick, who is actually made in Mexico now. So Storm's one of the few companies actually making the bowling balls here, and they're made in Brigham, Utah. So beyond being a good company as far as making great equipment, they also happen to be completely American. And since bowling is such an American sport, even though I know it's nominated now by people from both Australia and Great Britain, yeah. th they are coming here to do that. Right now, the other popular market that's 
huge for bowling is over in the Far East. Yeah, and, the Asians yes. love, love the game. Exactly. And frankly, in Korea and Japan, their love for the sport is so high that that's what gave me the motivation to make Bowl Freak what it was. And the reason for that is, is the leagues that are played in Korea can have payouts as high as $400,000 at the end of the year for the top team. And... <laughs> I know it seems unbelievable. They they are they're covered on television. The it's a very popular sport for people to watch. They don't treat it at all like it's just a, a pastime. And when I saw that excitement, I had to wonder: Is it? I know it's the 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 actual activity itself. People like to bowl, but I mean, these people really get obsessed over there. And I have to believe that a big part of it has to do with the type of money that's involved in these leagues. Yeah, if somebody could actually put on a tournament where there was, like you say, a very large purse, I would imagine some people would check it out to see who could win that money. Absolutely. And when it turns out, you know, as it stands right now for most leagues, they're considered fun or even competitive, even the more competitive leagues. You know, you're going to basically pay in $20 a week. And then at the very end of the season, you might get a couple hundred dollars, $300, $400 out of it. And really not enough to even pay for you actually out there bowling. It's (laughs) only the top two or three teams that are actually going to make that kind of money. Sure. And so... One of the things I felt that Bowl Freak did was is it would keep the excitement level up for everybody that's involved yeah, in it. Yeah, because then every week, even if you're out of the money for your league, you're right. still in the money potentially. Sure. Based on the parity levels that you're able to establish through the application. Right, exactly. And we also added social networking to it as well. So for people who don't like to be on Facebook and they don't want to be involved in something like that, we have a lot of bowlers who don't like to do that. It's not that they're technophobes. They just don't like the idea of Facebook or they don't like the idea of exposing that much on social network. And so we've built some social social networking tools in it and communication tools within Bowl Freak. So that way, league secretaries or people involved in leagues can actually communicate with each other using our app as well as being able to compete with it. So where is the app right now as it relates to being able to roll out and people can start jumping in. Currently, we are having a legal staff create a user agreement that will satisfy the requirements of all 50 states plus the District of Columbia, where we're going to roll the roll the app out originally. Technically, it's on the web, so anybody can play it, but we are going to restrict who can actually play it to the states that, that we've worked out with our legal staff are going to be friendly for us to do this, at least for right now. Mm-hmm. There are some local statutes and there are some states that have certain requirements and restrictions on the amount of money or the 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 uh, the actual um, terms of the tournament itself. So we're that's what we're looking into. So to answer your question, we believe by January we'll be able to roll the game out. So that way, for the second half of the leagues that started this year, and for the ones starting next year, we'll be able to take advantage of it. That'll be awesome. I can't wait because we got to participate in a couple of the beta tournaments and and that was it was fun. It was exciting. It really was. It was amazing to see uh, how even when how people even when they're bowling under these conditions where there aren't lights on them, there's no cameras on them, but they know they're bowling for maybe some bucks. Um, it'll change things. Yeah, it gets you a little tweaked a little bit mm-hmm. when you miss a, miss a spare or something <laughs> like that. Then all of a sudden you start to stress out. It's true. It kicks the excitement level up. There's no doubt about it. And it is kind of fun to watch because, I mean, no matter how you slice it, if you're the captain of a team, a league team, you're going to want your people to play better no matter what. And any incentive that lets them do that, I think, is, is good. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I think anything that brings people out bowling is good. It's a wonderful sport. It's a lot of fun. And I think the fact that it's been kind of pushed off to the side to be something that kids do for part parties for birthdays and it's something that people do only when the black lights are on it's dark at night like they've done in a lot of different bowling alleys i think uh, sells the sport short 
Mm-hmm. I think that's true as well. It really just kind of makes it uh, just a recreational thing you do every once in a while for fun rather than necessarily making an appointment to go do it. Right. And, and get get better at the at the game. Sure. It is. It's good. And it's also healthy for you. I mean, a lot of people don't realize it, but there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of weight you're, you're dealing with there. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it actually, it's, it's good physical activity. Um, so when, it, when we talked about the tournaments that you were doing uh, video for, you were streaming them. Uh, I think you were streaming them live, mm-hmm. actually, the, the, particularly the finals of the tournaments. Are, are you going to continue doing some of those around the area, linking up with some tournaments to broadcast uh, any of the area tournaments? Yeah, we're going to try to do that. Um, to be honest with you, setting up the broadcasting was sort of experimental for us because we wanted to see if there was a marketing channel that we could use to promote Bowl Freak out to more uh, players out there so they could see it. Um, I'm not certain if the um, live streaming for the local market is giving us the market penetration or coverage that we were originally looking for, but it is a lot of fun to do, so I think we'll still be doing it. Mm-hmm. And maybe sometime we'll get started on the uh, on the weekly update from the lanes from lane side <laughs> that would be good i would like to do that show that would be great i would i would like to have uh, the the in the show that the, what what cw is referring to here is we have a show that we're um considering working on and we've done some development for that is essentially going to be a um bowling news show but it's uh, in kind of a lighter vein than let's say espn sports center i'm sure people are going oh my god i gotta tune in of course bowling i mean how can you miss it <laughs> Well, tell folks where they can go to get information if they want to check out, because you mentioned that there's a website where you can actually do some things already. I, I know you're on Twitter. Uh, so talk about where folks can get information about Bowl Freak. A couple of different places. If you go on Facebook, you can go and check out our page at facebook.com slash Bowl Freak. And if you go on to YouTube, we've got, I think we're up to, um, we're getting up there now, over 40, 40 different videos, a number of different events that we've covered. We've got, um, but on uh, youtube.com slash Bowl Freak, you can find us and subscribe to us there. And I've definitely done that. Uh, I've been really enjoyed having my friend uh, Michael Powell, the f- creator of an application that's going to be released here in the next few weeks called Bowl Freak. It'll be a really cool way for you to participate in tournaments uh, against people of your own skill level, very closely matched to you, uh, regardless of whether they're in the same spot as you. They may be halfway around the globe before it's all said and done and, and be able to uh, really make your night at the bowling alley uh, on your league, league bowling nights that much more interesting. So I can't wait to be a participant. Hopefully I can roll against some of these people that may be checking out the app coming up here in January. Well, thanks for having me on, CW. It's been great talking with you. And if you're checking out the podcast, if you've not done so already, if you go to the upper left-hand corner of the show page, you'll see the Apple logo there. That'll take you over to the iTunes store, to the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast, and subscribe to us, man, because that way each week when the new uh, episode comes out, it gets downloaded straight to your device. You can check it out in the car or walking the dog, whatever the case may be. And we hope you turn around and share it with your networks. You never know when you might put some information in the hands of somebody that you care about that would help them out. And uh, what a great thing for you to do. So, uh, Michael Powell, thanks for taking some time. You'll probably be hearing Michael uh, sitting in with me from time to time uh, as we go forward because he has some background in media. And uh, we're going to be linking up here in the studio a few times. So you'll probably hear Michael's voice again on some shows. And uh, to all the folks out there that took time to check us out today, we really want to say thanks so much. We'll see you all same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. 